years now. And we don't, we don't see it as just a, a, an association or a connection as ministers. We have been close friends with them for quite a few years. I don't know, maybe 13, 14 years now. And so we always appreciate our time with them. Of course, we enjoy our friendship with Pastor Ray and Angela and enjoy getting to know Pastor Chris and, and Jen. And uh, so um, we realize, I realize that you're, you're going through a lead pastor transition here. Five years ago at Worship Center, we went through a lead pastor transition as well. So we can identify with a, a, a transition process. Um, you know, transition is in, inevitable. Y'all know that, right? Y'all know that. Y'all know you're getting older, right? Huh? If you don't believe that, you're kidding yourself. But it's inevitable. It's certain to happen. Uh, it's unavoidable if a church is to go on for the next generation. When I was younger, I never, I never gave it much thought. I thought it would just kind of take care of itself. Well, I didn't even really think about it. And so we pioneered Worship Center in 1977 and served as lead pastor there for 40 years. And about the 35-year mark, we were out to dinner one night with Auntie Ann. You know Auntie Ann's pretzels? Have you ever had one? Good, aren't they? Well, Auntie Ann's my first cousin. So we were out to eat with them, her and her husband one night. And uh, he said to me, do you have plans for succession? And I said, no, not really. <laughs> and uh, so he encouraged us to start thinking and praying about it. And he said, you owe it. And this is what got my attention. He said, you owe it to your church and to yourselves to have a plan for transition. And that got my attention. So we did. We put together a plan and went through a transition. It went very well. Uh, pastor Matt Milan has now been uh, the lead pastor at Worship Center for almost five years. And he's doing a wonderful job. Sherilyn and I are very happy with Matt and Kelly Milan's leadership. When we're not preaching on a weekend, we are there cheering them on. And I get to preach there sometimes when he asks me. The church is thriving under their leadership. Many new young families are coming, we noticed when we go. Too many churches and organizations don't have a plan, so I applaud the leadership here uh, for putting together a plan. We had a, we had a desire, Sherlyn and I did, to remain a part of Worship Center. Not, it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, some churches don't allow their founding pastor to stay. And, uh, but we had a desire to remain a part of Worship Center. So we now, and we are, we're still, that's our home church, probably as long as we, li as we live. And uh, we now oversee our network of churches and ministries. As uh, Pastor John said, we also serve as regional director. So as you go through the process, part of it, will be to determine the role of Pastor John and Anita as you go through this process. Every transition is different. Every church is different. The length of a transition, transition process varies. So what could I say to you as a church as you walk through this process? 
Well, value the process. Embrace the process. Um, Be patient. Be kind. Don't be afraid to ask questions. If you have questions, ask them. Because transition is a good thing and is necessary for the vision of Faith Christian Center to be accomplished in the future. I felt like I needed to make room for the next generation at the table. And that's what we did. Um, The Bible speaks of transitions. And when you think of, and for example, when you think of Jesus' transition, think about his transition. He uh, poured his life into the disciples for three years, a little more than three years. He trained his disciples to continue his ministry, and then he went back to heaven. (laughs) He didn't stay around. Well, he did in us. Then we have the book of Acts. Right? So that transition went well. They went on and and, uh, continued his ministry. And so the book of Faith Christian Center will continue. And new chapters will be written. New vision for the future. So I applaud you for uh, having a process. And I encourage you as a church to pray. And believe God together for a great outcome as you go through this transition over the next period of time. Amen? Amen. Are, you, are you ready for the word today? Yes. Well, I, I want to uh, point your attention, draw your attention to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now, I'm a pastor. I, I pastored for 40 years. And once a pastor, always a pastor. So I'm a pastor, so I don't come with with a new revelation. Uh, If you were were thinking you've got a new revelation, you can leave now because it's not going to be a new revelation. Uh, I'm a pastor. And one of the the responsibilities of a pastor is to encourage. And I always loved Pastor John Osteen. I don't know if any of you uh, knew of him. But you probably know his son, Joel. Well, his daddy, I knew personally. And he would always say, now, Pastor Sam, he said, um, feed the people. Don't beat the people. And that's been one of my mottos for all the years of my pastoring. Feed the people. Encourage the people. I mean, we get beat up all week long, right? So we need to come to be encouraged. Lift it up. I heard one preacher pre- preach one time. He said, I don't, I don't feel like my sermon's any good unless the people leave with a limp. <laughs> I thought, wow, I don't believe that. I believe you ought to leave with your head held high Amen. and say, Lord, thank you for the word of God. Amen. So that's my aim today. Very simply to encourage <laughs> and to put a smile on your face if, you, if there's not one on there now. Some of you need to put one on. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Now, you have, to, you have to understand this book is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. 
Paul wrote this letter from prison. Think about that. He had it rough, didn't he? Sometimes we think we have it rough. How would you like to live in the Ukraine today? Let's take a moment to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up Ukraine this morning. I know, Lord, that we know that millions and millions and millions of believers all around the world are praying for this nation and for the people in this nation. Lord, there's many believers there. I know, I know pastors there, Lord, that are still having church, even while all this is going on. Lord, we pray that uh, the evil would be stopped in the name of Jesus. We pray for all of those millions of refugees that are going into other nations. Lord, we pray for them. We pray that you would comfort them and meet their needs and strengthen them. We pray for the believers in Ukraine. We pray that you would embolden them and strengthen them uh, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for stopping the evil in the name of Jesus. Because of the boldness of Paul's preaching about Jesus, the religious leaders in that day, time and time again, would try to stop him. They would find ways to falsely accuse him of things he didn't do. He would end up in prison for his faith in Jesus Christ. This church at Philippi was born out of this kind of persecution. So Paul is in prison again, writing this letter to this congregation and to us to help us with our lives today. Paul was a master at turning his pain and bad circumstances into purpose and vision for his future. Nothing was more important to Paul than his relationship with Jesus. How many of you are glad for your relationship with Jesus? At one time in his life, he was determined to have Christians arrested and even killed for their faith. But then he had an encounter with Jesus. <laughs> How many of you are glad you had an encounter with Jesus? I'll never forget the night I had an encounter with Jesus. <laughs> Changed my life at age 24. My life was on a downward spiral. But one night in Phoenix, Arizona, gave my life to Christ, was walking one direction one day and the next direction the next day. That's a whole sermon in itself. He had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life and put him on a new path and purpose. Now he was as determined and committed to living his life for the glory of God as he was previously in destroying people who had faith in Jesus Christ. He was steadfast in his love for Jesus. Nothing deterred him from following his purpose in life. So today, these couple scriptures that I want to zero in on, are we're coming to the last part of this letter to the church. In Philippians 4 verse 4, the Apostle Paul in prison says... Always be full, always. <laughs> Everybody say always. 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 Now he's in prison. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. 
Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So he came, he's coming to the end of this letter. And I thought there's five words here. So if you want a title for my message, five words to consider in case you wanted a title. Five words that stand out to me in these few verses. Number one is the word joy. Joy. Now, now you know, this is an attitude that is deeper than a smile. It's deeper than a laugh. It's deeper than a giggle. It's an attitude deeper than the circumstances that I'm going through. This is deeper than external things. This is a joy that comes from an inner confidence and strength not based on external circumstances. This confidence and strength comes from knowing what Jesus did for us on the cross when he died and gave his life for our salvation. This joy comes from knowing that our sins are forgiven. How many many of you are glad your sins are forgiven? And that all things are new when we accept Jesus as our Savior, and that we have a home in heaven after this life. That's what this joy that Paul talks about is based on. It's based on scriptures like this. Therefore, if any man or woman is in Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen? Think about that. You think about that a little bit, that'll bring joy to your, to your life. And then this is a scripture that really set me free. In 1 John 5, verse 11, it says, And this is what God has testified, that he's given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. It's pretty simple, isn't it? I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, so that you may know that you have eternal life. (laughs) The night that I got saved, that's the verse that set me free. Because you understand, I come from the Amish people. I was raised Amish. Yes, I was really. I was raised Amish. I left when I was 18 because I wanted a car. And electricity. And a radio. <laughs> it was nothing spiritual for me. I just, I just wanted a car. <laughs> I'd be out in the field with a six-mule team. And a hot summer day, daydreaming, and a car would go driving by the road. I'm thinking, man, I want one of those. <laughs> but the Amish... Don't misunderstand me. I love my heritage. I love my upbringing. 
but they don't believe you can know that you're saved. They believe in Jesus. They believe that he died for them. They believe that he was raised from the dead. They don't believe that you can know for sure. So in an Amish funeral, you'll never, you'll never hear them say, we know that sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, we know where they are. They don't say that. They say, we have a good hope for this particular person. So when I saw that that night, it's that you may know <laughs> that you have eternal life. Whew, that you may know. That you may know. It set me free. <laughs> you may know. Now I know. <laughs> you could beat me up until I'd be a little greasy spot on the floor. And I'd still say, I know that I'm saved. <laughs> Set me free. Whew. Then Paul goes on and he says, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. I wondered why he put that in there when he says, uh, Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Well, really, the kind of joy that comes from the Lord makes you a considerate person. Makes you a sensitive person. Makes you a gentle person. You'll be considerate of others. So joy is the first word I saw. The second word I saw is worry. Worry. Any of you ever worry? <laughs> Don't worry about anything, says here. Yeah, but Pastor Sam, it's easy for you to say that. I know. I know, I'm a human being too. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You know, when we worry, it's, it, it, we rehearse something negative in our minds that may or may not happen. And most times it doesn't happen. And worry distracts our focus and can bring an inability to make decisions. Worry can paralyze our minds from thinking anything else. 1 Peter 5, 7, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Sometimes we think, sometimes we think when we go through something, nobody has ever gone through something like this. Yes, they have. <laughs> yes, they have. But the enemy defeats us through our worries and our thoughts, the mind is his battleground. Are you all out there this morning? Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Today's troubles are enough for today. <laughs> My mom... You know, you know, my mom raised 12 kids, my mom and dad, 12. 12 kids. I'm the oldest of 12. I'm number one. 
I always tell my siblings, I'm number one. Just remember, I'm number one. <laughs> Twelve kids. So now we're grown, you know, and we're, our kids, we have kids. And, and uh, uh, Sherilyn and I have four kids, one in heaven and three on the earth. We have seven grandkids, one on the way, and we have four great-grandkids. And uh, uh, so as the kids are growing, we go home sometimes and need some advice and, and, you know, ask my parents, well, what would you do in this situation? And my mom, she'd say a few things, and my dad would say a few things, and then she'd say, just remember, Sam, she called me Samuel, just remember, Samuel, take one day at a time. She said that so often that we, when she died, we made a ribbon that said one day at a time. Isn't there a song like that? Connie Smith, One Day at a Time, Sweet Jesus, something like that. I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) You'd probably all leave. One Day at a Time on a Ribbon Around Her Casket. I'll never forget the last five minutes, her last five minutes on the earth, all 12 of us standing around her casket. Twelve of us leaning in because she, her, her, her voice was a whisper now. And we could tell the time was getting real close. And she was still talking five minutes before she left. And she says, I see a river. And we're like, okay, Mom, I see a river. And on the other side of, a, of the river, I see a spiral staircase. And at the bottom of the spiral staircase, there's a man dressed in white motioning me to come. We said, Mom, go. Just go. And she left. At age 66. Too young. In my opinion, too young. But she'd always say, one day at a time. (laughs) One day at a time. You know, we have so much information at our fingertips these days that we research everything. You know, not too long ago, I was at the doctor and he gave me this kind of report. I'm not going to tell you what it was. It's none of your business, you know. (laughs) And, uh, but you know, I went home and I started researching it. And before I knew it, I was in the coffin. (laughs) In my mind. Really. And I thought, I'm not researching that anymore. You think the worst. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't research, but sometimes it just adds to your worries. Right away, we want to look at the worst thing that could happen. Now, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't you worry about me. But then the word worry, the third word that came was prayer. Don't worry about anything. You see, it's not good enough to just tell, tell somebody, don't worry about it. No, no, that's not good enough. What does that do? person says, well, how am I supposed to stop worrying? Well, there is a way. But don't just say, don't worry. Don't worry about that. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry so much. Uh, that, that just puts condemnation on people. No, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead. So you got to do something instead. Pray about everything. Wow. Pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Pray about everything. Thank Him. That's how you start your prayers. Thank Him. Our prayers should come from a thankful heart. And I think we need to hear that today. You know, a lot of complaining going on about political things. Sometimes when people pray or complain about political things, I, I want to say, and sometimes I do, not always, I say, have you prayed? Have you prayed for that person? Have you prayed for our president? <laughs> if we pray as much as we complain, much better off, right? Worries about the coronavirus two years ago when that started happening? You know what Cheryl and I did? We went right to Psalm 91. That's where we went. Right to Psalm 91. And we spoke that over our lives and over our families, over our kids and grandkids. Maybe not every day, but often. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap, and watch this, watch this, and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread, do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes in midday. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. But He will order His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, and you won't even hurt your foot on a stone and we would say that and we say that often pray this over your life rather than spending our time worrying find scriptures that cover your need and pray that over your situation praying diminishes worry don't worry about anything instead Instead, pray about everything. That's how you conquer worry. Use the energy that it takes to worry to pray. Rather than speaking our worries, let's turn our worries into prayers. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we have joy. We have worry. We have prayer. And you know what that brings? Peace. That's the fourth word. It brings peace. If you look at uh, verse 7 of our text, verse 7, it says, Then, meaning after you've prayed about everything, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard. His peace will guard. Your hearts 
and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, the word guard there means to be a watcher in advance. So you have peace surrounding you, watching. Watching for things that will bring worry. Peace surrounding you. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. What do you, what do, you do when, when somebody gives you a gift? What do you do? You just receive it, don't you? Absolutely, you receive it. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. That's what Jesus said. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Peace is a gift. It's a gift. It's not something you work for. It's a gift. You receive it. You receive it by faith. And the fifth word is thoughts. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. The Apostle Paul says to this church, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts. <laughs> I like that. Fix your thoughts. You know what that means? It means to take inventory. What am I thinking that nobody else knows about? Can we order our thoughts? Somebody asked me one time. Can we control our thoughts? Somebody else asked me. Can, I, I like what Brother Hagen, Brother Kenneth Hagen Bible School I went to. I like what he said. Can't keep birds from flying over your heads, but we can keep them from building a nest in our hair. Well, they wouldn't be able to build a nest in my hair anyhow. I don't have any hair over there. Can we control our thoughts? Well, we can build a mindset. We can build a mindset. Pastor Matt Milan at Worship Center, one day he was preaching, and he said, a mindset is mine to set. A mindset is mine to set. I thought, wow, Matt, that was awesome. We can build things into our lives that end up being our think tank. I like what uh, Luke chapter 6 says in, in, in verse 43. Luke 6, 43. I, I know I'm still old-fashioned. I, I, <laughs> I like to use my Bible. Nothing wrong against those things. I use them too. But I don't know something about when I preach, I like to have this book in my hands. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> Luke 6, 43 says it like this. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. Watch this. A good person... 
produces good things from the treasury. From the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So what we feed into our hearts, my friends, what we feed into our hearts is our thought treasure chest. Or I should say, becomes our thought treasure chest. What you feed on. If you feed on the news 24-7, then you're gonna, your treasure chest is going to be full of all that stuff. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't watch the news. I watch the news, especially lately. I like to know what's going on. But too much is too much sometimes. I'll say that to myself, too. But then we can draw from that treasury, from that treasure chest. When things happen in our lives, the deposits we make into that treasury is what we can draw out. So if we're not happy with what comes out of our mouth, when we're under pressure, then maybe we need to check to see what's in the treasure chest. In that way, we can choose, in that way, we can choose what thoughts we want to dwell on and what thoughts we need to filter out. I'm not saying you can't, you can keep thoughts from coming, but we can, uh, we can decide and choose which ones we're going to dwell on. Remember, thoughts become words, and words are powerful. So we want the right words to come out of our mouths. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> so we have five words. We have joy. We have worry. We have prayer. We have, what's the fourth one? Peace. Peace and thoughts. And you might say, well, Pastor Sam... What can I take away from this message and how can I, um, how can this help me? Look at verse 9. Verse 9 of our text. Well, actually, it wasn't a part of the text, but the next verse to the text. In verse 9, keep, the Apostle Paul says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. I'm not saying from me, I'm talking about the word. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the peace of God will be with you. Amen? Amen. 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 We can all be examples in what we talked about today. Let our lights shine. Let's take some action steps in our lives. Maybe one of these words stood out to you that you need to uh, act on more. So that's the action part to the message. This is what we can take away. Amen? Amen. You know the one song, thank you so much for the worship today, the one song that they um, sang today, uh, What the Enemy Meant for Evil. He, he'll, he turns around for good. I love that. And in closing, let me just tell you a story. 
I'm a storyteller. So I told you that one of our uh, kids is in heaven. Um, so we had a 16-month-old son many years ago who got out on the road in front of our house and was hit by a vehicle and died. 16 months old. Worst day of our lives ever. Before and since. And um, so when we went, ambulance came, of course, and took him to the hospital and... and um, we were sitting in the hallway waiting for the doctor to come out. And when he came out and his head was bowed, we knew what, the, what he was going to say. And he said, we did everything we could do, Mr. and Mrs. Smucker, but we couldn't save him. And uh, you never, you never want to have news like that. <laughs> and so we came home that day and the man that hit him, was still sitting there at midnight, three hours later, crying. So we went up to him and, and said, uh, prayed for him and said, you know, we don't hold that against him. And so um, years went by, and a, a young man came to me one day at church, one Sunday morning, and he said, he, this man was a young boy, he was probably about 20 years old, 22 maybe, he said, did you lose a son when years ago? I said, yes, we did. He said, I think it's my father that hit him. I said, really? I said, how's your father? And he said, he's an alcoholic. And I said, you don't think because of that, do you? And he said, I don't know. And so this young man was the same age as our little boy that was hit. In other words, when this man hit our little boy, he had a son at home, same age. And now this son's grown up, and he's at our church, coming to our church, and he gets married, and he has a little boy, and a handicapped boy, and um, cerebral palsy, I think it was. And it's baby dedication, and I'm dedicating the baby, and I see the man sitting there, which would have been the grandfather. I see him sitting there. And I thought, well, after service, I'm going to go talk to him. Well, he was gone by the time I got there. They had a second son. And the same thing happened. I saw him sitting there when I'm dedicating the baby. And um, I'm talking about how God can turn something around that was meant for evil. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going off of that song. And um, so he left and I didn't get to him. And then a couple weeks later, there's a lady in the lobby pulling on my coattail. And I look around and, and she's crying. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, I, I, I want to introduce myself, but I'm scared. I said, why are you scared? She said, because I'm the wife of the man who hit your boy. <laughs> and I've been coming here to church with my daughter and her triplets. And I said, well, you don't have to be afraid. And so then um, a little while later, I said to the son, I said, do you think your father would come to our house for dinner? He said, he said, Pastor Sam, my dad will not come to your house for dinner. He's a recluse and he's an alcoholic. He will not come to your house for dinner. I said, well, we're going to invite him. We're going to invite you. We're going to invite your mom and, and your dad. And, 
and for dinner. So we made dinner one Sunday night, and we didn't know if he's coming, and he came. He came. He came. He was sitting around a table, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And all we wanted to do was just reassure him once again that we had never held it against him, right? So, so he wasn't saying anything, but she was saying everything. I never wanted to tell somebody to shut up so bad <laughs> that time, as that time. I, I think she was nervous. You know, she's trying to figure out what he's going to say and all that. So now it's after dinner. We're in the living room, and he's kind of shielding himself with his two grandsons. And they're both handicapped. So finally, I just said, well, Ernest was his name. I said, Ernest, you know why we invited you here? He said, yeah. He said, um, I said, you know, we just wanted you to know that we never held that against you. And he said, he just shook his head. And I said, has that haunted you through the years? And he said, yes, of course. And um, so we prayed with him and he left and they left. And then he started coming to church every Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday <laughs> started coming to church then he had a heart attack and one of the pastors went in the hospital and led him to the Lord talking about the Lord bringing something good out of something that was meant for evil right so he'd been coming to church all these years now his wife passed away in 2018. And now the oldest grandson, handicapped grandson, passed away. 24 years old, totally helpless. And they asked me to do the funeral. I'm like, oh my word. And they were part of our, one of our churches that we planted. Not, not worship center, but one of our plants. And so I thought, oh my, I'm going to be doing this funeral. And he's going to be there. It was still something in me that just, I don't know. It's just, I don't know how to explain it. And so we did the funeral, and there he was sitting. The man that hit my boy, our boy. Well, Sherlin, I didn't know what I would do, even though I had seen him. And Sherlin, she goes right up to him and hugs him and greets him. Well, then I had to greet him, you know. And it was a good thing. I just wanted to share that story to share with you that God can bring good out of the worst of situations. Now, somebody asked me one time when I told that story, they said, would you believe that God allowed that to happen? I don't believe God had anything to do with that accident. Nothing. I think sometimes we try, we think we have to have a spiritual answer for everything. I don't, I think sometimes we just live in a, we live in an imperfect world and our boy got out on the road and he got hit by a, by a vehicle, period. And uh, why was, why did that happen? I don't know. And that's what we were, Sherlin and I were doing for a couple of days. Why, Lord? Why? Why us? Why? Why? And uh, finally, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, stop asking why and just begin to worship me. And then I felt the Holy Spirit said, take this experience, put it on the back shelf. Don't ask why anymore. And then when you encounter people that have similar experiences, then you go back and you get it off the shelf and you bring it front and center 
and you use it to minister to people. So whatever you've experienced in life, don't blame God and don't say why all the time. Use that experience to help somebody else. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you today for this word. I thank you for ministering to every person. I thank you, Lord, for every person in this room. Lord, you are a good God, and you bring good out of the worst things that happen in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And Lord, if there are people here today that do not know you, I pray that today would be their day for them to open their hearts to you. If you don't know Jesus, you've never made a decision as your heads are bowed, you've never made a decision to follow him. Or maybe you say, Pastor Sam, I did at one time, but it just seems like I'm, I'm distant. There's a distance between me and God. He's waiting for you to come back. I want to lead you in a prayer. We can all pray this prayer as an affirmation of our faith, just so that no one's praying alone. So I want you to pray this after me, especially if you've never made a decision to follow Christ or if you need to rededicate your life. Let's pray it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I believe he's the Son of God. I believe he came to the earth, died on a cross, shed his blood for me, for the forgiveness of my sin. I believe he was raised from the dead so that I can have eternal life. I believe in my heart and I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I'll never be the same again. Thank you for changing my life. In Jesus' name, amen.